He's back. Sports Radio is back. Here's the lowdown with Low Tide on Sports 1440. Presented by Wolf GMC Buick. We're making it easy. WolfGMCBuick.com. Welcome to the lowdown. It's Friday, weekend just around the corner. We're going to kickstart the weekend and wind in our hair, driving out of town. I don't know where we're going and probably shouldn't have the wind in our hair because there'll be a little bit of uh, precipitation too. But it's Friday, and that's the cool thing. On today's show, Steve Steos has resigned from the Edmonton Oilers. He'll be president of hockey operations with the Ottawa Senators now as part of the deal. As you know, whenever there's a deal involving management and the Edmonton Oilers, Edmonton has to send a third-round pick to the Calgary Flames. So I, I didn't see the announcement. I imagine it'll be coming along shortly. The Oilers made their first cuts yesterday. A pile more to follow today. Uh, plus, they play tonight. It, it could get ugly in Calgary. The Flames have basically their starting lineup. I, I would say that maybe there's four or five guys on the Calgary roster that will get sent to the minors, and they're really good players like Dustin Wolf. The Oilers are sending all the kids again down there, but I think it's a good thing, and I'm going to tell you why in two shakes of a lamb's tail. Well, you can reach us at sports1440.ca, iHeartRadio, Radio Player Canada. Uh, text or call 833-401-1440. Twitter at Low Tide and at Declan Kruger. And as mentioned at the top with the big voice, the lowdown is driven by Wolf GMC Buick. New name, same great team. Find them on the corner of 184th Street and Stony Plain Road. WolfGMCBuick.com. Our guest today, Steve Lansky. Tyler Uremchuk, Ryan Pike from Flames Nation, and we'll have declinations, plus the rumors. Man, we're going to be busy today. We're drunk with guests. We got a full boat. Everybody's sober. And we've got some sobering information to pass along in a little bit here about, well, not sobering, but the Toronto Blue Jays won last night. They, they have their their destiny in their own hands, and yet... We're still talking about them. Their magic number is two. We'll talk about it in two shakes. Oilers cuts. Uh, Tyler Tulio for me, was a mild surprise. I thought he'd get another game. All the rest were really obvious. The second round of cups, cuts is coming, and that's going to be interesting. Tonight's lineup has many candidates. Uh, but I don't think you should complain about the quality of the Flames roster versus the Oilers roster. You know why? Because the Oilers management and coaching staff want it that way. They want to test these guys. And I continue to see people say, well, how come Sutter gets the breaks? Well, Ryan McLeod's hurt. So Brandon Sutter is playing in his role. And that means guys like Raphael Lavoie are on the team that goes the away games. He played in Winnipeg, now playing Calgary. But it's a great test for Lavoie. And guess what? He was very good against Winnipeg. Power move, got some shots, great chances, level, flattened a guy. That's what you want in life. You know, I'm going to tell you a story a little bit later. Remind me to tell everybody the story a little bit later about Larry Mavity and what he meant to me and what what every Larry Mavity who has followed means to me. And we'll do that later on in the show. Remind me, Declan, Larry Mavity. Do you want me to spell it for you? No, no, I got it. Larry Mavity. Mavity. How do you spell it? Mavity? Yes. Is it phonetic? Don't don't mess with me with the fancy words. M- spell it in. A V A D-E-E. No, M-A-V-E-T-Y. Larry oh. Mavity. So not really that close. Not really at all. Okay. And I loved your use of the word phonetic, like it would help. Players to watch tonight, Dylan Holloway, Raphael Lavoie, Xavier Burgo. I almost called him Sergey. Don't know why. Carter Savoy, Cook Quasmai Hoffenmeyer, and Olivier Rodrigue. 
Did you ever see the Bugs Bunny Roadrunner show? Oh, yeah, I loved it. Yeah, so I, I, Noel Hoffenmeyer's playing tonight, and I did a play on the cook, where's my horse and pepper? Remember I, that? No, I don't remember that part, but I, oh. I, I, I had this like Sad part. trombone. It used to come in like the, the kid, like the Owl Kids magazine or the National Geographic Kids magazine, and it was a fun fact card that in a 1980 special, the coyote actually caught the Roadrunner. And I think I still have it somewhere because to me, that was just like the coolest fact in the world. I never saw it, but I thought Wait that was like the best thing ever in cartoon history. Wait a minute. How old were you when you were reading National Geographic? Uh, I got the National Geographic Kids magazines when I was like eight, nine, ten years old. Your parents are spectacular human beings. Yeah, I know. They they wanted me to turn out a little differently than I did, but I still like the magazines. They still love you. And so what? Yeah. You're still sitting at the kids' chair and the four-year-old doesn't. It's okay. I know. Yeah, they they put me on the edge of the table. I'm barely invited <laughs> to Sunday dinners, but but I like the magazines. I think you're, every, t- every time I hear something about your parents, I go, damn. You know, this young man was raised well. No wonder he's smart and does a great job and is conscientious and shows up on time. I, I assume you do. I don't show up on time, so I assume you're here at the right time. Well, I think the only thing you said there that was true about me was that I show up on time. I do have that going for me. The rest was a little bit of an uh, exaggeration, but I do appreciate it nonetheless. You know how every once in a while I talk to people like you about recommended reading? Do you read a lot in life? I don't I don't read as much as I used to, no. You should read. Reading is very important, and that is a skill that if you don't use, you will lose. I read a lot of articles and columns, but I don't I don't well, sit okay, down though. and read that's still novels reading. too much anymore. Yeah. That is still reading. We will we will absolutely give you credit for that. Yeah. Reading is important. I read every day. Honestly, I guess in that sense, I, I read a lot because, like I said, I'll read a lot of lot of articles, a lot of lot of columns. But I, I think reading just has an attachment and a connotation with novels or or just books in general, and I don't do that as much as I used to. But as far as reading goes, yeah, like I'm reading, I'm reading every day. That's a good thing. I think yeah. that it keeps your brain alive. You well, know. Also, apparently, playing solitaire, which I do a lot. Mm. I play a lot of chess. That's how I keep the mind sharp. I'm hoping that playing solitaire solves a lot of things as we get older. I don't know that that's true, but um, I want to recommend it. Harmon Dial, who's a brilliant writer, uh, has written an article about the NHL teams and their defensemen. Every NHL team's defense ranked from best to worst. Hurricanes and Avalanche taught the list. Uh, you should read it because everything he says about the Edmonton Oilers is true. The Edmonton Oilers have a good defense. Darnell Nurse makes too much money but is a solid top pair. And Matthias Ekholm has changed the look of the team because of his presence, if he's healthy, if he ever plays. It's an important article for you to read because we argue every day about Darnell Nurse, which we should not do. He's established. He's He is a mature product. He's like Kleenex or Tide. You know what you're getting with him. It's a top-pairing guy. There are some issues, but there's issues with lots of players who make lots of money. And he is overpaid. But this contract that he's in now is the first time since he got into the National Hockey League. And he's overpaid because the Edmonton Oilers, twice, two different managers, Peter Shirelli and Ken Holland, kicked the problem down the road. So when it came by to time to buy UFA seasons, there were no RFA seasons to couch the problem. That's what happened. I can't help it, but I'm right. Elks don't play this weekend. Stamps can get a game closer to the Rough Riders if they can beat Hamilton on the road. Saskatchewan and BC to play the Lions tonight. Alberta's CFL teams have ghastly records this season. They're just awful. Yeah, it's a real fall from grace. Like when I was coming up, it, the, the you know the Alex were the powerhouse, and then the Stamps with Bo Levi for years were the class of the uh, class of the West. And to see the oh. downfall, it's a little harrowing. It doesn't feel quite right. But as a Rough Riders fan, I love it. So I cannot the escape the, the Rough Rider fan. It's just it, the, everywhere in my life. 
everywhere in my life are Rough Rider fans. And they're so open about it. Brazen, I will say. NFL this weekend. I, you know what irritates me about the NFL this weekend? Ever, whenever I talk to anybody about the NFL, they go, yeah, Broncos are playing the Bears. Who cares? They're They're awful. There are other good games that are on the schedule this weekend. Can't we talk about something else? Apparently not. The thing with that one, though, is that both teams are so, so comically bad. It'll end up being a fun game just by it's like when you watch a movie that's so bad, it's good. That's what that game's going to be. I will accept watching that game if it, it is done in the way NFL films used to do their bloopers from the 60s and 70s. Oh, that game will be a blooper <laughs> reel in itself. <laughs> the Bears are so bad that they're playing a team that just gave up 70 points at home and they're three and a half point underdogs. <laughs> That's how much of a joke the Bears are. <laughs> My brain is dead. LOL. I don't read it all. I just looked at the pictures in Low Tide's book. There are pictures in that book, and it's available. Everything's in that book. I, I, I'm coming back to the Jays now, and I don't, know what to, I don't know what to say about the Jays. They got a great pitching outing, and you can expect that. And they're going to make the playoffs. You can expect that. And yet we're still just kind of here, you know? And the bats are sporadic. And that happens even with great teams. The bats go cold. But last winter on the other radio station, I was ranting and raving about they needed a a lefty bat with a guy who had hair on his ass to drive in runs. That's what I wanted for them. And they went out and got it. A A couple different guys. And I thought, okay, they're good. But they're, they're, they're just, uh, something's wrong and I don't know what it is. Um, and I, I'm not smart. I'm not, I love baseball and I have watched more baseball in my life than hockey. And that's the God's honest truth. But I don't know how to fix the Toronto Blue Jays. And I wish I did. I, I, I don't like Bichette at his current position, but I don't know where to move him. And he's, he's good. It's just that he's not great. It's like Vladdy at third base. I, I, I love the defense in the outfield. I love the third base defense, but they're not bringing enough. I love Alejandro Kirk, but you almost all in the playoffs, if it's after the seventh inning and he gets a base hit, you're going to have to pinch hit for him. There's things, you know? And I, and I go back to the, the, what's the big starting pitcher's name, whose name I can't recall right now? Declan? What's the big starting pitcher's name who got sent down? Manoa. Yes. That still bothers me. And that's why I'm bothered is Manoa. I'm bothered because of Manoa. Because I, I do not understand why your stud 24-year-old pitcher who has gone like 18 and 5 over two years just goes away. I mean, imagine this team with Manoa as Manoa. I know he's, I know he's not coming back this year. And he may not come back to the Jays. But but if we're talking about, I love team building. That's what I'm all about. I love watching teams being built. He was a he was a foundational piece. He was important as important to them as Declan is to this show. The future of this show is all about Declan. Who say it again? I'm just saying. It'll be what could we do? Low down with low tide. Daylight with Declan. I like that. Yeah. Daytime with Declan. Daytime with Declan probably makes more sense. Daylight, maybe if it's a morning show. The Breaking Daylight with Declan. 
Or we could just go declinations with Declan. Yeah, I like that one too. Maybe the fact that I can't think of a name for the show signifies I shouldn't have one. Well, and also you don't read anymore. That's a problem. Yeah, that's I got to get up on that. I'm just saying. I love our guest today. Uh, Steve Lansky, who brought me jam last week. I didn't give you any. I noticed that. When I was going home, I thought, what did I give to Declan? Nothing. Yeah, I didn't even know there was jam here. That's <laughs> such a classic. Like, oh, I forgot. I had no idea. Yeah, I didn't didn't offer once. I didn't even show it to me. No, I I didn't. I because I think you're young and you don't appreciate it. I don't appreciate jam. Well, I, do you like jam? You don't uh, like other things that I like. Oh, I love jam. I'll I I'll eat it. I'll I'll get halfway through one peanut butter and jam sandwich and make another one. Well, that's I have, how good it is. I have guests come in over the year, and some of them will bring cheese in. I would never give you cheese. Thank I thank I thank you for that. You think you think you're making fun of me, but you're actually doing me a I'm not huge making favor. fun of you. I'm just saying I didn't know if you like jam or not. I like jam. I love jam. My oh. parents used to give me jam and cheese sandwiches as a kid in elementary school for lunch. Jam and cheese. Oh, it was the worst thing ever. I used to throw I used what to throw that stuff away. Yeah. Oh, it was it was a joke. It was a, yeah, I think maybe I could I was never being make punished. fun of your family because they gave you National Geographic kids. No, they they did well for me, but that was the one I really I really hold them hold them accountable for. Like if you're wondering why I'm so messed up now, it was those jam and cheese sandwiches when I was six, seven years old. When you're old enough, I'll tell you what National Geographic meant to me when I was 14 mm. years old. But we don't have time for that right now. Uh, on the show today, Tyler Uremchuk from Daily Faceoff, going to talk to him about the the Flames Oilers tonight and what it looks like. Steve Lansky, I want he he mentioned something. He's coy on Twitter, uh, and he said. You know, something about Taylor Swift. And I, I don't know where he's going, but I want to find out. Because I, there's a certain element of sports fan that is mad at Swift fans for buying tickets to see the Chiefs because it's ruining for football fans. And my question to you is, who cares? If you buy your ticket, if I buy my ticket and I just want to go look at Jay Woodcroft's hair get gray, then that is my right. And by the way... Does anybody else think it's kind of strange that it's not even more gray now after a year and a half in the NHL? What is going on with that man and his hair? He'd probably be graying a lot faster if he didn't have Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl on his team. You know, maybe Th- that's it. That'll make a coach's hair gray, but you, you got those two, you, you can stay young forever. All right. Ryan Pike is going to be our regular contributor from Calgary, from Flames Nation. He's a very bright fellow, and they've had a week in Calgary. They truly have. We're going to talk about Chris Snow and and what has been an inspirational story and now is a tragic story, but the family and, and what they've been through and how pu- public they've been and how open they've been is courageous. And uh, the, it is it is just overwhelming. So we'll talk to Ryan about that. We'll talk to him about Flames Camp, about Dustin Wolf who's going to the minors, and he might be better than some starters. This is like the Habs used to do, where you send a guy who could start in a lot of cities to the minor leagues. And then about Flames' expectations... And I really want to get to the heart of this. Hannafin and Lindholm and those guys who should be signed aren't signed. Are they Are they just going to go to free agency? The, the Flames aren't going to make a trade? Because I think that's kind of a big deal. I thought you were going to call it the deck down with deck tied. Well, I won't be here. I'm assuming I'm out. I mean, that's sort of the... Well, you just watched Succession, right? I did. It wouldn't wouldn't you be the candidate? Like, I'd be out, and I'd be rich, mm-hmm. but I'd be I wouldn't be in control anymore. No, you would you would get a nice. Well, listen, I would buy the I would buy the shares at a price that I think is an, is appropriate. Yeah. You would get a very nice payday, and I would take complete creative control. And who would you have married? The board? I'm not sure how that would work in the Succession. 
Yeah, well, in in the case of the actual TV show, the guy did marry into the board. Uh, he yeah. married into the family. That's how it worked. It worked yeah. out for him. I'm I, at the radio I, board. Oh, slot the, the slide pots and stuff. Yeah, I guess I could do that. Whatever it takes. Honestly, I have no I have no morals in this. What situation. I what I don't understand about that show is people were surprised it went that way. Do they not understand how business works? The guy married into the business, and you think she's going to vote elsewhere? And the guy who lost was a petroleumaire. Anyway. Well, I listen, I'm not going to get too into succession lore here, but she did vote against her own brother in favor of her husband. And she who, voted for her husband. Well, Do she... Do you not know how life works? But you haven't seen the show. I'll, that's all I'm going to say. You haven't seen the show. I have seen enough of the show to know that she's mm. going to be in some major role. No, no, she didn't. It was the lesser of two evils. She didn't want either he situation. Was a, her brother was a nice man. Well, he wasn't that either, but, but he thought the company was his birthright I at the very least. I thought he was a great fella. They're all beautiful people. He's and a heck all, of a character. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Okay, so who's our first guest today? I don't have it in front of me. We have Uremchuk coming up at 12.20. We should have a, some kind of a horn for him. Yeah, we really like should. Ricola, Ricola, or just like Uremchuk. a big, big flip flops hitting against the pavement or something. That would be pretty. <laughs> Maybe pretty we can have the sound of a truck backing up and imply <laughs> that's him walking into the studio. Okay, this is the lowdown with Low Tide on Sports fourteen forty. It's the lowdown. Alan Mitchell, Declan Kruger, Stevie Wonder. Song about his baby. Actually, if you listen to the whole album, the whole song, you can hear. You can hear the the baby in the... I think she's crying, but she's in the song. That's 76. Songs on the Key of Life. I know he won 1,100 Grammys because he won 1,100 Grammys for everything. Before we get to our next guest, Tyler Uramchuk from Daily Face Off, which I once suggested should be called Dangerous Face Off, and I'm disappointed they didn't change it. Columbus has claimed Spencer Martin. This is via Elliot Friedman. Everybody else cleared. The new list, Middleton, Smallman, Colorado, Wotherspoon, New Jersey, Belzile, Bleed, Elson, Emerson, Mackey, Nash from the Rangers, and Gaudette from St. Louis. Waivers is underway. And our next guest knows exactly how exciting that is for me. Welcome to the show, Tyler Uremchuk. How are you, buddy? I am good, Low Tide. I'm coming to you from the streets of Calgary as I cruise around. Oh, nice. Are you driving? Uh, I'm driving right now, yeah. I originally had to come down here because Frank Cervalli was in town, and I had to drive him from, I had to chauffeur him from Edmonton (laughs) to Calgary, and now I'm driving home alone. So does Frank drive? He does drive. He just chooses not to. (laughs) So he's like, he's like Kramer. Yeah, I'm really just, uh, I'm giving him a hard time. Um, I had to come down here. Too. It just it was nice to get to hang out with Frank. Yeah, he's, he, uh, Frank is a, he wrote the forward in my book, which is available in stores now. He's a good guy. Yeah, and I read the forward. He sent to me, he said, hey, do you think this is good? I said, it's way too nice, Frank. Change it. <laughs> All right, let's talk hockey. Uh, the Flames roster tonight looks pretty NHL-ish. And the orders looks like all the guys were fighting for jobs except Sutter. Uh, this could be a big beatdown, but do you like the idea of giving these young players a real challenge? Yeah, and I mean, you don't want to be overplaying your veterans in the preseason. That's how injuries happen. So, I mean, this is a product of having eight preseason games on your schedule for four or five of them. It's going to look more like the Bakersfield Condors than it will the Edmonton Oilers, right? 
do you what were your impressions of Connor Brown? I want you to tell me in four thousand words or less what you thought. Um, I was impressed with him. Like I, I kind of said throughout the uh, the summer, I was like, people need to temper their expectations. Like this isn't going to be Zach Hyman light. But then I kind of watched him for a game, and I was like, oh, maybe he is going to be Zach Hyman light. Like he can shoot the puck really well. Probably shoots the puck better than Hyman, obviously. Um, and he's a demon on the forecheck. I, I think he's just going to be a dream fit in this top six. He, he's got good boots, too. He can scoot. Oh, yeah. Like, he, he moves well. Like he, again, a lot of people are like, oh, like, how big of an upgrade is Connor Brown going to be on Kyler Yamamoto? I think he's a more polished, better finishing Kyler Yamamoto. Yeah, and he's can. I, I, I like his two-way ability already. Um, okay, I want you to talk to everybody uh, about sample sizes. Because here's the deal with sample sizes. Um, when people talk about Philip Broberg playing his way off the team, he hasn't played enough to do that. And when they talk about Marcus Niebelainen playing his way onto the team, he hasn't done enough either. So in terms of sample sizes, which are like minute during preseason, how, how dangerous it is, is it to make sweeping statements like those? Yeah, I mean, it's, again, eight preseason games. Like, we need to talk about something, and I get it, but the overreactions we've seen so far, like Bo Akey played 18 minutes against minor league opponents, and people were like, whoa, Broberg's a bust because Bo Akey's all of a sudden better than him. And it's like, you know, Philip Broberg, his year is not going to be defined by what he does in these preseason games against American League competition. His year is going to be defined by what he does in the regular season for this club. I don't think... He's in danger of losing his spot as one of the seven defensemen that are on this roster for opening night. I think if he plays terribly for three games, then, you know, he might not be playing. He might be in the press box for night one. But I don't see a world where they send down Philip Broberg and don't have him on the roster for opening night. Honestly, no matter how poor he could possibly play. And again, like you said, sample size, like... I don't think he's going to get in enough preseason games to like really change the organization's mind. I'm, uh, we're in conversation with our friend Tyler Uremchuk from Daily Faceoff. I just want to check on you. I know you're driving, and I heard what sounded like voices talking in the background like they were at a party and tinkling glasses. Do you have a party in your back seat going on? No, I'm the only one in the truck right now. What you may have heard was me muttering under my breath because someone wouldn't let me into the right-hand <laughs> lane to get on the deer foot load. Tyler, I'm freaking out. <laughs> <laughs> uh, they got that new artery. I can't. Well, did you just blow your horn? No, I did not. Okay, they've got that new artery. I can't remember the name of it, but if you come in by the airport, um, it's easier. But you're obviously on the Deerfoot now, so it's all over for you. Um, who will you be watching tonight? If you're watching and leaving the town, so I don't know that you will be. But if you're watching the game, who do you who do you, who would you like to see do well for the Oilers? I wrote an article today, and it was kind of my wish list for what I want to see this season from the Edmonton Oilers. And number two on that list was breakouts from Dylan Holloway and Philip Roberg. We've already touched on Philip Roberg, so I want to talk a little bit about Dylan Holloway, I guess. I look at him in the style of player he is, and I go, this is a guy who, if he develops properly, will be a dream fit in the Oilers' top six one day. And him having a good year this season will be a big step towards that. And I'm not saying he's going to be on Connor McDavid's wing by Christmas or by the end of the season even for that matter. But if he goes out this year and he has 
a 15-goal season, and he's a good third-liner playing with Ryan McLeod, and that duo can just outskate and out-hit the opposition and all of that, then that's a really, really good season. I've liked Dylan Holloway so far. I'm excited to see if he can keep building in the right direction because I think this is a guy who can, if he pops this year and pops from the perspective of becomes an electric third-liner for them, that, that really changes the look of their top nine. I want you to do some some. Um, I want you to tell me what you think happened here, because I know that Steve Steos has left the Edmonton Oilers. He's now uh, president of hockey operations for the Ottawa Senators. I assume the Oilers have to send a third round pick to Calgary as part of this deal, because that always happens. But I could, I think I could make a case that Steos was going to get a GM job if Jeff Jackson didn't come in, or or maybe he was going to get Jeff Jackson's job. But things seem to have changed because remember we were talking a few months ago like Steos was going to be elevated, uh, and, and that and I heard that you know he might even be GM before the draft that went away. What are your thoughts on that, Tyler? Yeah, I was hearing those things too, and I do. I think this is one of those things we're never going to get the full story out in the public. But two or three months ago, I was under the impression, and I was very confident that Steve Steos was going to be the next GM of the Oilers. I have talked to a lot of people about that. Um, And what happened was I think Ken Holland really wanted to play out the final year of his deal and didn't want to do any sort of a I step out of my GM role. And Steve does I think Holland wanted to see this thing through. Steos was told, you got to wait a year. And I think that combined with the fact that his good buddy Michael Ann Blauer bought the Sens and then offered him not a GM job, a POHO job, like a step up on it, I think that led to sales going, well, no, I'm not going to wait around a year and, like, hope you guys stay true on your word and give me the GM job. Like, I'm going to go run an organization right now. And if I am reading the tea leaves correctly, I think there are some people in the Oilers organization, some powerful people, who are not all that thrilled that this is how it played out. I think you can read between the lines of some things Ken Holland said. What did he say a week or 10 days ago? Steos has a family emergency and he hasn't spoken to him in a month. Yeah. Okay, if you have a healthy relationship with one of your assistants and someone on your staff, you, you talk to them more than once a month, especially <laughs> in the lead up to a season. I think you can go back to what Ken Holland said at his press conference at the end of last season when he talked about how Steve Steos has a lot of learning to do before he can be a GM. You look back on that now, in the moment it wasn't that weird, but you look back on it now and you're like, whoa, was that like a shot that like, hey, Steve, you are not going to be the GM while I'm still here. Like, you're not taking my job. You're not ready. I don't know. I think this is uglier than we're ever going to publicly find out. Well, I love your answer. That's fantastic stuff. Um, so now, I, I, because people are going to want to know, uh, I have a few questions for you about your drive home, okay? The speed limit is 110. How much would you risk beyond 110? Uh, 118? Yeah, I'm usually, listen, I'm not in the market of getting speeding tickets here. Also, I'm driving a vehicle with massive Oilers Nation stickers all over it. Right. So I'm pretty recognizable. I do need to drive nice. So I'm usually a cruise control 119, you know you're safe kind of thing. And will you stop at the donut mill in Red Deer? Well, I need to stop somewhere for lunch, and I think their sandwiches are pretty good. So it's it's on the short list. We'll see how I feel when I get to Gasoline Alley. I I think you should try the apple pie donut is what I think you should try, along with anything else that you wish to have. 
no, you want me to bring back some for my next in studio. <laughs> if you could, I mean, I don't want to be a bother. Uh, listen, safe journey to you, and t- thanks so much, Tyler. Hey, thanks, Ty. See ya. All right, there's Tyler Uremchuk from Daily Faceoff, Oilers Nation, and the QE2. Just easing on down the road. Could you do an interview that well, that professionally, while you were driving? Oh, yeah. Well, maybe not that well, but I could do it. I think you could. Thank you. I think you could. What, do you think I was going to say no? No, you're a confident guy. I like that mm-hmm. about you. It's one of the things that, that I sort of, um, you know, I, I, I feel like sometimes in life, that that confidence gets beaten out of a, a child, but your parents obviously are brilliant. Mm. And um, could we ever have them on our our air? Could we have your parents on? I would love to have them in here. I would love I'm, to have I'm, them in, in here. I'm very serious. We'd have them in for two segments. Yeah, I would love I would, that. But I would ask them questions about your youth, about sure. you know the family dynamic, about um, you know foibles and things that you did. Did you ever break a bone? Uh, were you ever, you know, unkind or uh, did you have a sense of humor? What food you don't like aside from cheese? I mean, I can't imagine there's another one that drastic. There's one that's even worse than cheese that I will refuse to eat, but I can save that for when, when, when and if my parents ever come in here. You, there's something aside for ice cream? No, no, come on. I love ice cream. Well, I'm just thinking dairy. Maybe you got an issue with dairy. No, no, it's a... You have to um, take a pill before you eat dairy. Is there a problem with dairy? If you no, had no. dairy in this room, would I leave? What's going on Nothing with the dairy? Like that. It's, okay. it's, it's a... Uh, I mean, if I say what it really is, it's too obvious. So I'll just say it's, a, it's in the vegetable root family. What? You might have it in a soup or as a pizza topping or with steak. Well, you're not talking potato. We know that. <laughs> no, no, no. It's a little bit more. Not rutabaga. No, I like rutabaga. Rutabaga is good. Okay. Well, it's not tomatoes. No, I like tomatoes. Tomatoes are so this good. This could go on forever. I, we, you know, I, green peppers? No, I love green peppers too. Well, let's, let's have, why don't we have our audience check in? Yeah, I They're love smart that. people. What did you say? You said root-based vegetable. I don't actually know if it's a root, so I should maybe renounce that a little bit. But it's it's a vegetable. Is it corn? It's a specific class of species, but if I say that, it'll be too obvious. Specific class of species. Yeah. You do read. I do. A little bit. A little bit. Articles and columns only. What's the last book you read? The last book I read was Where the Crawdads Sing, which was a novel, actually, and it was... It was some time ago, but it was a decent book. Well, it's a great name. I don't know who wrote it. Was it, uh, who wrote the book? No idea. Couldn't tell you. Good book, though. It was just made into a movie recently. Okay. Good book. All right. Your honesty is uh, compelling, I must say. Do we have anybody at 1240? We do. We have Ryan Pike at 1240 Flames Nation. Well, he's an interesting guy. It has been a an extremely difficult week for Calgary Flames fans and and management and personnel we're going to address that talk about the team and preview tonight's game this is the lowdown with low tide on sports 1440 it's the lowdown on sports 1440 driven by wolf gmc buick and everybody thinks you're talking about mushrooms do I do I spoil it do sure I, all right, they are 100% correct you could not pay me to eat a mushroom tried it Hate it. We'll never touch a mushroom again as long as I live. Well, all mushrooms or just the mushrooms that you put on pizza? All mushrooms. Wow. You couldn't pay me. And I'm well, so serious about from that. From what I'm, what I'm hearing, you're missing out on a lot of fun. That's what I heard. 
Yeah, you would know after the summer you had. <laughs> I didn't. I did not partake in any of that stuff. Although, you know, don't walk it back now. I'm open to new ideas. Um, okay, we're now joined by Ryan Pike from Flames Nation, and if he can tolerate all this nonsense, he's going to be our regular contributor from Calgary. How are you, buddy? I'm excellent. Excellent. Uh, glad to be on uh, the the new. The, the new grounds you guys have. I'm excited to be here. Now, is this your first time on Sports 1440? Very first time. Wow. Ordinarily, we have a bell, but we forgot the bell today. So we'll just go ding and welcome you. Um, and I hate that we have to start talking about this, but it is it is just such a fundamentally large story and breaking news out of Calgary this week. Um, Chris Snow was diagnosed in, I think, 2019 with ALS. And he and his family, Kelsey Snow and the family, were so public and so courageous and so um, real about it that that I think we all sort of adopted the family as being special and we thought it would go on forever. And, and of course, it, it as it turns out this week, we know it did not and does not. But it's it's a courageous story, but it's also just heartbreaking. And, and I imagine having followed it as closely as you have, it must especially hurt because, you know, the folks involved so much. Yeah, I mean, you know, if if I had gotten the type of news about my health that that uh, Chris and Kelsey got about Chris's, my temptation would be just to go into a hole in the ground and hide from the world because, you know, it's it's a really tough thing for anyone to go through. And they sort of made the opposite choice and the courageous choice of dealing with it so publicly and so bravely. And I think, you know, they help people really put a face to to ALS. And I think, you know, they're between Chris, you know, being involved in a uh, in a medical trial and in all the advocacy group work they've done. Uh, I think, you know, as sad as it is to see this story, unfortunately, conclude the way it was probably always going to conclude, unfortunately. You know, it's it's really heartening to to know how many people's lives that they've impacted and will continue to impact because of the money they've raised, the the advocacy group work they've done, and you know even just the the, the way that Chris was able to contribute uh, through the trial to medical research. So I mean, you know, it's uh, you know they're they're just amazing people, just a great family, and you know it's it's utterly heartbreaking to sort of see what they've been going through, and especially you know the last little while, and you know your your heart goes out to them. Absolutely. So the 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 world of hockey goes on, and the the team that that he helped um, build is is on the ice and looking very good in preseason. Uh, but there are some things that I find interesting about training camp. One of which, you, you know, we know Tampa Bay's in search of a goalie now, but it looks like Dustin Wolf, who, who I think might might you know compete for a starting job in some NHL cities, is going to head to the AHL. Yeah, you got to love the waiver system, right? You know, uh, Dustin Wolf, uh, for those of you who are unfamiliar, he was the fourth from last player picked in the 2019 NHL draft. Uh, you know, there was probably 20-some teams, you know, all all but packed up, and they were starting to head to the elevators when Dustin Wolf got selected. And since then, he's been the uh, the best goaltender of the, in the league he's been playing in for each of the last four years. The last two uh, AHL goalie of the year, he was the AHL most valuable player. Uh, it's just you know, I'm sort of running out of superlatives because he's been so good for the Flames minor league teams. And the nice thing is, the Flames are in a situation where they can stockpile him in in you know down the hall uh, with the Calgary Wranglers until they get an offer they like for one of their other goaltenders. More likely than not, you know, J- Jacob Markstrom has a no move clause, and you know he's you know a year and change removed from being the runner up for the Vesna Trophy. So 
the, the simple math suggests that Dan Vildar will at some point be on his way out of Calgary. But, you know, there's two full seasons left on Dustin Wolf's waiver exemption, which, you know, coincides with two full seasons left on uh, Dan Vladar's uh, current contract. So, you know, if you're being a pessimist, the worst case scenario for the Flames would be Dan Vladar simply, they don't get the deals, offers that they like, and keep Dan Vladar until his contract expires in 2025. And then, okay, then Dustin Wolf comes up and Bob's your uncle. My guess is uh, some team, whether it be Tampa Bay or someone else, will have an injury or will have a goaltender disappoint, and then the, the Flames will start getting better offers. But for the time being, uh, the Flames seem pretty confident and you know capable of just standing pat and waiting until they get an offer they like. Who in camp has impressed you to the point where, and I know there's been injuries, but, but you feel like they were either less than 50% or around 50% to make the team, but now you think they might be able to get there? Ooh, I, I have a couple guys for you. Two guys that really stood out to me. Uh, Dryden Hunt played on three different teams last year in the NHL. He sort of bounced around because of waivers and trades. Uh, he's a Calgary kid. He's you know from the area, uh, signed to a two-year league room deal. But you know, for a, he's been you know he's played 200 NHL games, but he's been really really effective as sort of a complimentary forward. Uh, the Flames with the, the injury to Jacob Pelche, it looks like they'll probably you know replace him you know from within, and and they feel like they have the depth to do that. But, you know, Dryden Hunt, because he can play both wings and because he's, you know, a, a pretty wily veteran, he's the type of player that could sneak onto the team. Uh, the other guy, coincidentally, another sort of veteranish player, Ben Jones was quietly the one of the better Calgary Wranglers players last year uh, on a team that was the, the best regular season team in the American Hockey League. Ben Jones was arguably their most consistent player. Uh, the Flames also have Rory, or, uh, they also have Connor Zary on their team, but Zary's you know still super young and has only really played one full year of pro based on you know injuries and whatnot. Jones is a few years older; he's 24, a couple years older than than Connor Zary, and you know Ben Jones could conceivably make the team. And that would open up a bit more of a larger role for for Connor's area in the minors. So, I'd say right now for me, uh, the big surprises have been Hunt and uh, and Ben Jones. I'll throw out a third one for you. The Flames' defense is probably set to start up the season, but the first call up might end up being Ilya Soloyov. Mm-hmm. He's a, a big Belarusian defenseman. He he took a huge step last year. Uh, he you know he's three years out of his out of his draft year. Uh, first year he spent the the year as sort of a, a secondary guy in a KHL team, basically a six seven defenseman on a KHL team. And he spent the last two years in the Flames firm system. And last year he became sort of their go to shutdown guy. And you know he's the type of guy that if you you need to call somebody up to play third pairing minutes uh, and just you know fill a gap and be reliable and consistent and very low maintenance, he's rapidly becoming the the first guy in line for that kind of a role. Ryan Pike joining us from Flames Nation on Sports 1440 and the Lowdown with Low Tide. Um, I, I need your help on this because I I I wondered in the off season whether if if guys weren't being signed whether we might see a trade. And the two players that I that I sort of thought about were Elias Lindholm and Noah Hannafin. They're not signed. They are now less than a year from free agency. Do you see both players, and, and let's include the others, let's include uh, Tanev and Zadorov. Uh, do you think all of those uh, gentlemen will be here uh, in the after the deadline and then through the playoffs, and then the, the Flames will decide um, in the summertime or leading up to free agency uh, who they will pursue, and uh, they'll take their chances that way? 
Well, I, I think the the big priority for the Flames coming out of last season was, you know, once they figured out they needed to have a, a new mood around here and, you know, they have a new general manager in Craig Conroy, they have a new head coach in Ryan Huska. And I think a lot of players, you know, coming out of the season kind of had a wait and see approach to how they were going to you know, approach things. Cause you know, if you're a year away from free agency combination of, you know, sometimes the grass isn't green on the other side and sometimes the money you can get elsewhere isn't you know better than the money you can get here. But I think a lot of guys were kind of, they, they weren't, I wouldn't even say skeptical. I think they were just sort of cautiously optimistic. Like, you know, when, when you get a new boss, you get told, yeah, yeah, it's, it'll be different than under the old boss. And the skeptical people, I think, are pretty rational and going, yeah, yeah, I'll believe it when I see it. And I think a lot of people wearing red jerseys over the summer were going, yeah, yeah, I'll believe it when I see it. Now they're here, and I think they're starting to feel that kind of vibe. Uh, you know, the first, you know, I think the priorities were Michael Backlund, Hannafin, and uh, Lindholm. And I think the, the first domino is toppled with the the extension for Michael Backlund because Michael Backlund's a guy that, you know, he's very well regarded around the league, both as a person, as, as a player. Uh, he probably would have been in demand, even with, you know, going into his 35-year-old season in 24-25. I think he's a guy that would have been in demand as sort of a, you know, a defensive specialist, so to speak. But he decided rather than test the market, he wanted to stay here. And, you know, he, he's the new captain. And I think the Flames are hoping that some of the other guys that they want to keep, you know, the guys that were sort of on the fence and going, yeah, we'll believe it when we see it. They see Michael Backlund's, you know, vote of confidence in this new management group, and the new coaching staff. I think they hope that that will cause some other dominoes to topple. Uh, I think they're the main priority is probably Elias Lindholm, given he's their best, their best center and arguably one of their best players, uh, We'll see what happens. I wouldn't be shocked if we see both Hannafin and Lindholm re-up at some point. I think Lindholm is probably more likely. Uh, there were rumblings over the offseason that you know Hannafin had a, a preference at that point to, to go back a little bit closer to home in the United States. I don't know if the new vibes in town counteract that a bit or if he still has that preference. Uh, he, you know, he, he remains open when speaking to the media about, yeah, we'll see what happens kind of thing. So maybe that happens. Just from a cap perspective, I think if they lock up the, the big three, so to speak, it leaves a little bit less money for you know a Chris Tanev, for a Nikita Zadorov at the amount of money Nikita Zadorov would probably want. But you know, I think the Flames are are betting on themselves, and I think they're betting on the changes they've made, making this city and making the team a place people want to be. And you know, so far so good. They they got one of the six to, to re up with them, and I think they're confident they can get more done. The, by the way, Backlund's underlying numbers are fantastic. He is still an extremely productive player, and and that was a big uh, addition for Calgary. Uh, is I, I I I I have friends of mine who are Flames fans, and I have to wade through a lot of cynicism before I can get to what they really think. But I the people that I talk to are Flames fans. Expect the playoffs and expect good things to happen in the playoffs. That's their expectation. Is that what you're hearing from the organization? That making the playoffs is the goal and then making some noise in the playoffs is the goal? I think uh, almost to a man, I, I think they're all coming in here hoping they can prove the doubters wrong. You know, I, I think, you know, a year ago coming off of, you know, them winning the division and then getting steamrolled by Edmonton in the second round, I think they, they came into that season believing a bit of the hype about 
people saying, yeah, the Flames can win the division again, and then it's a battle of Alberta rematch or something to that extent. Expectations were high because of their performance, and I think their performance definitely warranted those high expectations. They're, you know, on paper, they're a little bit worse of a team than they were a year ago. You know, they, they lost Tyler Toffoli. They, they lost some of their older, more reliable uh, bottom six guys. You know, there's no Milan Lucic, no Trevor Lewis, and guys like that. So they might be a little bit faster, but you know, they're relying on basically the same team as last year, and plus a few young guys that aren't really as, as tested as the guys they're replacing, so that's sort of an unknown. But I don't think it's uh, it's unrealistic to expect them to be, if not in the playoffs, a strong contender for playoff spots. I think they're going to be at the very least in the mix until the very end. And I think they're hoping that you know the group that they have make improvements and that the group they have have a chip on their shoulder. And having that chip on their shoulder gets them an extra point a week or you know points here and there. You know this is, this is a group that only gets the playoffs by three points last year, despite virtually everything that could possibly go wrong for a hockey club going wrong. I mean, their best defenseman got hit by a car, yeah. missed three games, and then played various degrees of hurt for the last 20 games. I mean, you know, that, that was the kind of season they had. You know, they're, Right when they started getting cooking, their best player got hit by a car. Uh, I don't think that kind of weird stuff happens again. I don't think you have a coach seemingly feuding with key players uh, via the media. I don't think you have a bunch of players starting to just feel worn down by the season. And, and I think, you know, if the, if they have that kind of motivation, if they have the kind of motivation that they want to, you know, go to the rink and work hard for each other and some of these young guys take a step, I don't think it's unrealistic to expect them to potentially make the playoffs and make some noise. But, you know, the the magic of the playoffs is once you get in, you have no idea what happens. Chaos reigns in, the, in that last two months of the, the hockey can, calendar. But I think the Flames are definitely good enough to make it. Ryan, we want to be sensitive on this because it is an issue, and, and we know that it has been an ongoing issue. Oliver Shillington has been very open about, uh, you know, issues that he's had. Um he, where are we? Do we know where we are with him now? We know that he's missed the start of camp, but we, where are we with him, or do we know? Uh, there haven't been any updates from the club, and I think you know until they have something definitive to to say one way or the other, they're going to be you know very protective of his privacy. And you know, I, I think the organization, you know, dating back to to last year, has been great with sort of just you know being as open as they can about what's going on while maintaining the the players' privacy. And I think they're going to continue to do that. But I imagine you know. My guess is if he's not on the ice or playing preseason games by the time we run out of preseason games, I think that says a lot. Right. But, you know, at that, at that point, you know, you're really just speculating. So I think hopefully he's back soon because he's a very good, you know, player and a very good person. And, you know, you don't want people to have to, to go through any kind of uh, health challenges, mental or otherwise. So... You know, knock on wood that he can be back soon. So Oilers play in Calgary tonight, very NHL roster for Calgary and the young kids for the Oilers. But I, I for, for Oilers fans who are going down there of a certain age, the the alumni tweeted out, and you retweeted, that, that Jamie McCown and Dana Merzen will be signing autographs on the concourse pregame and during the first intermission. It looks like a little trolling to me by the Flames and the, the alumni to have two guys who were such a big part of those great teams in the 80s uh, during a preseason game against the Oilers. Am I reading too much into this, Ryan Pike? I don't know. I, I don't. I, I imagine we won't see any hip checks from those guys. To anyone wearing like a, a blue jersey, maybe maybe they'll start to make that movement just out of reflex because they, every time they see the colors, they probably just do that motion. But you know, they they, they do a lot of uh, Illinois does a lot of stuff and a lot of signings during uh, during the preseason. So I think it's just a coincidence, but it's kind of a funny coincidence. Yeah, isn't it? it's it's kind of cool. I like it. I like that kind of uh, sportsmanship. All right, Ryan Pike, we want you back lots this year. Thank you, sir. 
Thanks for having me, guys. It's Ryan Pike from Flames Nation. I talked to him for a long time, but there was a lot of news out of Calgary. Like that, I, I don't think I even covered all of it. Um, we'll have to have him back again. Calgary's going to be an interesting team. When Calgary's good, the Oilers are good. When Calgary's winning Stanley's, the Oilers win five around their, their one victory. So you want the Calgary Flames to be very good. History uh, shows us. All right, coming up next hour, we're so busy today. We've just jam-packed everything. Declinations on the way. Do you want to tease what we're going to talk about? So we're going to be doing the top five players you forgot played for that team. Tried to have some fun with it. I get to Did you do any hockey? Two hockey, two basketball, one football. Did you do Steve Shutt? I did. I, you, well, you have to find out at the top of the hour. Okay. Because Steve Shutt, right at the end of his career, he played with a team nobody would guess. But I'm just saying. I don't want to ruin your you know fun... We have lots of, we didn't do any text this hour. We are going to do lots of text next hour. And we have our friend Steve Lansky as well. This is the Lowdown with Low Tide on Sports 1440. This is a Sports 1440 update. Your Sports 1440 update news out of the hockey world as Steve Steos has officially joined the Ottawa Senators as the president of hockey operations following his resignation as a special advisor with the Oilers hockey operations staff. Minnesota Wild manager Minnesota Wild general manager Bill Guerin, excuse me, announced that the team has fi- signed forward Matt Zuccarello to a two-year 8.25 million contract extension. News out of the boxing world is unified heavyweight champ Alexander Usyk and WBC champ Tyson Fury have signed contracts for an undisputed heavyweight showdown at a to-be-decided date in Saudi Arabia. The match will crown boxing's first undisputed heavyweight champion in the four-belt era, and Tyson Fury, of course, has an exhibition fight with schedule, scheduled with former UFC heavyweight champion Francis Ngannou October 28th in Riyadh. Four games in the AJHL showcase out in Calgary. One going on right now. It's Camrose up 1-0 over Fort Mac in the third period. U of A Golden Bears in action tonight against the 1-3 and three Regina Rams. Kickoff at 7 here at home in at Foot Field. You can get tickets at the door or watch on canwesttv.ca. CJFL action this weekend. Colts in town to take on the Wildcats. That game goes at 7 on Saturday at Emerald Field in Sherwood Park. While the Huskies are in Winnipeg to take on the Rifles. That one, 11 on Sunday. And Jays in action tonight in their final series of the season against the Rays. That first pitch going just after 5. I'm Declan Kruger, and that's your Sports 1440 update.